Welcome to Capital Conversations, an ERLC podcast from Washington, D.C. I'm your host, Jeff Pickering. Around the table on Capital Conversations, you'll hear from the policy team of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, as well as featured guests from outside our D.C. office. Our conversations cover the policy debates and news shaping our world as we aim to connect our Christian theological motivations to political engagement in Washington. In this conversation, you will hear from the eight young men and women who interned with us in Washington this past summer. Uh, At time of recording this, this is their final day in the Leland House for their summer program. Our internship program is truly one of the highlights of my job here at ERLC. And uh, I've said this before on the episode uh, at the start of this year when we had our 2018 interns on, but I meant it then and I mean it now. Leading this program is is really one of the one of the reasons that we moved to D.C. from Texas to join this team. The ERLC is dedicated to seeing each generation engage the culture with the gospel of Christ. This means cultivating leaders that work in all spheres of culture. Our internship program exists to prepare students and young professionals with a gospel-centered, kingdom-focused perspective on the issues of everyday life. We offer semester and year-long programs in both of our offices in Nashville, Tennessee, and here in Washington, D.C. For more information, I highly encourage you to go to ERLC.com internships. And if you have specific questions, send me a note. I'd love to talk about our program with you. So after our program finishes, our interns, uh, our former interns are all over the map doing awesome work in ministry for the kingdom of Christ. They're aspiring lawyers, teachers, congressional staffers, pastors, ministry leaders, working in the administration, working overseas as international advocates, and some PhD candidates. We train them here at ERLC, and then we send them back out. Jumping in now, I've got my summer 2019 internship class around the table. There are eight of you, so let's get started with introductions. Thanks, Jeff. My name is Kai. I'm from Auburn, Alabama. Um, I'm set to graduate in December from Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary with a master's in Christian ethics, and I would like to apply uh, theology and the gospel uh, to the culture through uh, public policy. My name is Alyssa, and I'm from Lake Jackson, Texas. I just graduated from Texas State University, where I studied applied sociology and business administration. My name is Lacey. I'm from Nacogdoches, Texas. I'm currently a junior at the University of Texas at Austin. I'm studying political communication, and I aspire to go to law school. Hi, my name is Marcus, and I'm from Alexandria, Virginia. I go to school in Boyce College in Louisville, Kentucky. I'm studying an interdisciplinary degree in philosophy, politics, and economics, and I plan to go to law school in the future. Hi, my name is Eva, and I am originally from State College, Pennsylvania, but I'm currently at Indiana University, where I have one more semester left um, pursuing my master's in environmental policy and science. And I hope to work in government, whether it be in government relations or potentially in consulting. Hi, my name's Danny. I'm from upstate New York, and I am a rising 3L at Emory University's Law School. Hi, my name is Neil Hardin. I'm from Marietta, California. I just graduated from Tablet School of Theology at Biola University with my master's degree in theology, and I plan on studying, uh, pursuing my PhD in theology as well. Hi, my name is Nick. I'm from Chicago, Illinois. Most recently went to Cedarville University studying political science, and I plan on staying in Washington, D.C. 
Now, Nick, you're not only from Chicago, Illinois. Where else are you from? No, I uh, moved overseas to uh, Honduras for about six years. My parents were missionaries, and then we moved to— Okay, so, you, so your family moved overseas. Family you moved didn't overseas, overseas. yep. <laughs> parents were with great. me. Packed up my bags <laughs> and headed to Honduras. <laughs> no, no, I uh, spent two years in Germany after that, and then I moved to Greece by myself um, to s- go to college. Okay, And then Very moved cool. to Paris after that. Awesome. Love it. Okay. So Nick, I want to uh, start with you. What were your expectations coming into the ERLC internship program? That's a good question uh, because I honestly didn't have any. I did not know what to expect coming in here. I had met Jeff once and I loved him and felt like we got along really well. And so I was excited. You heard it, it, folks. He wants to work in politics, so he knows how to flatter. Um, No, the internship surpassed all expectations. Though. Yeah, and it was a uh, it was a chapel with Kevin Ezell, mm-hmm. right? The uh, North American Mission Board president. Yep. You heard him, talked to him afterward, told him you were interested, and he suggested ERLC. Yep, put me yeah. in touch with uh, Philip Bethencourt. And- yeah, yeah, did some emailing with him, and then you applied. And I remember on your application, uh, you wrote under your skills section that you were fluent in Spanish, which really uh, <laughs> I should be being from being from the Gulf Coast, being from Texas, but I am sadly not. But I told you at the start of your uh, phone interview, I said, all right, well, I see here that you say you're fluent in Spanish. Let's just go ahead and conduct the rest of this interview in Spanish. And you responded without a beep. was like, okay, cool. Sounds great. And I was like, <laughs> I don't speak Spanish. Uh, so anyway, um, Kai, what about you? What were your what were your expectations coming into the program? You are uh, a master's student at one of our Southern Baptist institutions. Um, so you had that academic track uh, leading you toward this work. What were your expectations coming to DC? I had an idea with the organization that we would be meeting with lawmakers some, which is probably good that we didn't because I probably would have been standing in the corner not knowing what to do or say. <laughs> yeah, we don't just like let our interns loose to go meet with senators uh, for, <laughs> for lunch and stuff. But okay, anyway, continue. Um, but in terms of the quality of work that we were able to do, um, the way we were to able to contribute on the types of assignments that it surpassed my expectations, um, especially when it related to the type of um, ownership that the staff gave us as interns in contributing to work. Eva, what about you? Right. Kind of what Kai was saying, I think I, it, it surpassed my expectations when it came to the type of assignments we had and the way we were able to you know, contribute and make things faster for you guys. But in terms of my expectations, I expected you know to be working in dealing with policy issues very often to be for it to be fast paced being in DC i expected it to be an office full of people that work hard to put out a transcendent voice into the culture and um having known that it was really cool to come in and have that be confirmed and just be in an office where everyone kind of has this similar mindset and i kind of expected there to be a unification there and and that happened if I can go back to Kaya's point, we uh, we didn't meet with lawmakers, but we did run into them a lot. <laughs> and yes. uh, one one specifically was we ran into Mark Pocan in an elevator and uh, walked with him for a few minutes, and that was pretty fun. What did y'all talk about? Uh, well, I asked him where he was from. I didn't know which district he was, uh, so I couldn't, you know, go into specifics. Rookie mistake, man. Rookie yeah. mistake. But uh, we just talked about the weather, you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, those were the expectations, uh, but now you are here. It is your last day. Uh, Very sad. Uh, It is always a bittersweet symphony uh, to watch you leave, Uh, but don't worry. I don't plan on playing vitamin C uh, as you are headed out the door. (laughs) 
Um, it'll just be playing in our hearts. Um, it's it's always a sad time, honestly, when our internship ends because if there was if there was one thing that I wish uh, was different about working here at ERLC is that I wish our office uh, was was so much bigger. I wish we could hire um, so many more people to do the work that Southern Baptists have tasked us to do in DC. But uh, thankfully, uh, the purpose of the internship is not just for you to come here and selfishly be on my team forever, uh, but to go back out. So with that said, uh, you've had a full summer here. You've been here for uh, nine to 10 weeks, I guess, 10, 10 weeks in, in total. Uh, so Lacey, I'll come to you first with this question. Did anything surprise you about life and work in Washington, D.C.? Yeah, so actually going back to the weather, what surprised me is how much it rains and how every time it does, I can count on myself to not have an umbrella. So that's been great. That is actually, I I will say, like, if you don't carry an umbrella to your meeting when you're walking on Capitol Hill, it's definitely going to rain on your way back. If you carry an umbrella and you're that annoying person, you know, sitting in a, in a, in a member of Congress's office, which for the listeners, for you to know, they're very, very small. So you take an umbrella, it's like there, you're dropping it, it's awkward, but it's not going to rain if you're prepared. Uh-huh. <laughs> Never. You know, what else besides just uh, the weather? Anything else uh, surprise you about life and work in D.C.? You moved here from a very wonderful city of Austin, Texas, where I moved to D.C. from. Yeah. So in certain ways, D.C. reminds me of Austin just because it's fun and hip, you know, Um, but the people here are a lot more serious, (laughs) not as laid back and chill. Yeah. A hipster in D.C. just means you have Warby Parker glasses. Yeah, basically. (laughs) Yeah. So we love that. And the Uber drivers, you can always count on them to almost cause you to have motion sickness. (laughs) Yeah. They're not messing around. They're not messing around here. Yeah, going back to what Nick had said earlier, um, one thing I really enjoyed about being in D.C. is, especially being from the West Coast, D.C. seems so far removed from my daily life. And just being able to like go to Union Station and see Chris Christie eating at a Shake Shack or... <laughs> And just like, you know, all the all, all these people like that you see on TV that seems so hard. I'm sorry, hold on. There is nothing when you sent that on our ERLC Slack channel, I don't think I've ever seen anything more on brand <laughs> than Chris Christie eating at a shake shack. I don't think I've ever seen Chris Christie happier either. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so continue, Neil. I'm sorry. Oh uh, gosh, where was I? <laughs> so yeah, just being being able to see people um that you normally just see on TV or that seem so far removed from your daily life. Like they have to go eat, they walk around and exercise and just seeing them like ran into AOC, just walking to a meeting under uh, halls of Congress. Did you talk about the weather with AOC? We did not. She just, she was just walking past us, but it was just (laughs) tweeting. Yeah, probably. (laughs) But it was just cool just to see people that, you know, most people consider like very famous or prominent and it's just, Oh, they're right there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was surprised at how small DC ended up feeling by the end of the internship. I felt like everywhere I went, I was seeing people I had met at church or at different events around town or um, at coalition meetings. And that was just really cool to see familiar faces. Marcus, what about you? What what did you learn about the ERLC, whether that be our work here in D.C., uh, the way that we engage in the public policy process, uh, cultural engagement, Southern Baptist Convention, evangelicalism? You're a hometown, you're a hometown kid. You're from Alexandria, Virginia, right here uh, in D.C. But what did you learn about the ERLC's work? Yeah, that's a really good question. So the Actually, I live here in Alexandria, Virginia, but I go to school in Kentucky, so at the seminary, and, you know, that's, they're very familiar with the ERLC and their work there, but 
coming here and interning here in DC at this office, I never realized how much you guys were focused in uh, international work and engagement. So like, for instance, the, one of the big issues that we worked on while I was here was the North Korea freedom, religious liberty you know, issues and in China as well. And so seeing and learning about that work was really, yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I was really impressed with that too um, because bouncing off of what I said with the expectations, I also didn't know anything about like the ERLC or the SBC culture. And so that was a shock coming in here um, because I, my eyes were opened to a whole new world of SBC life. And it was at the time when the SBC convention was happening and um, it was just a crazy experience to learn everything about it. Yeah, I would definitely have to agree with that. I mean, there's so much that I learned at the ERLC and, um, you know, there's just a commentary I was reading on First John and it was talking about how John in his letters, um, he's, his letters are redemptive and not reactionary. And I felt like that was definitely very true of the ERLC in that um, where the ERLC is encouraging theological understanding and ethical rigor and heightening devotional intensity. And I think that was definitely true. One of the first things the staff told us um, in our internship was whatever work product that we're putting out to think about whether someone who's reading it could uh, get the good news from that work product. And I think that was just such a great intentional mindset that's probably, uh, yeah, very unique in D.C. and just really encouraged that the politics were grounded in that, but also very practical, um, seeing that the ERLC is not afraid to change up the dialogue um, for practicality's sake and seeing um, the ERLC functioning along with the convention and just how meaningful it is for coalition groups or partners for the ERLC to come and like what it means to uh, have the resources of the SBC um, and partner with their voice was really a valuable um, learning point for me. So, Danny, starting with you again on, on this next question here, because we've had you on the podcast before. Earlier this summer when we uh, were recapping uh, the uh, State Department's Ministerial to Advance Religious Freedom and our work in North Korea. And it's, again, I mean, it's fun to think about how the Lord brought each of you around this table to this table here with us this summer. Uh, but particularly for for you, as we talked about on that earlier podcast, that you literally Googled religious liberty internships <laughs> uh, and then happened to be here at such a providential time when we're working on Korean issues so I, I'm curious, now that we're at the end of your semester with us, uh, what was one of your favorite experiences? I think one of my favorite experiences was the State Department's Ministerial to Advance International Religious Freedom, the side event that the ERLC was able to host. Um, you know, I think my favorite weddings are the weddings where like the the bride and groom create like an event for um, people to not only celebrate the main event, but just to come together and connect and have good discussions. And I feel like something you and Chelsea were talking about in the last podcast about um, hosting this event on this very important issue, but then also creating that space for the panel members to um, connect with each other and for attendees also as well to form those relationships. That was really neat to see. Um, and also just, yeah, just a personal 
moment for me, I guess, as a Korean American and um, being able to help in what small way I could was um, very humbling and very meaningful for me. I love that. So our event was as fun as a wedding. That's good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, our event was awesome. I agree with that. But I think I can speak for a few of us when I say that one of the coolest experiences we had this summer was when we got to sit in on the Supreme Court opinion reading on the case that the ERLC worked on, the Bladensburg Cross case. I'm sure that whoever was sitting next to Kai had a full-on commentary the whole time. Um, <laughs> that, but that, that was me, and yeah. he was whispering in my ear. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not surprised. But that was the best day. It was awesome. Okay, so wow. un- unpack this. Who else Who else was there? Uh, so Lacey, it was you and Danny. Who else? Kai and Alyssa. Kai and Alyssa. Okay, so, so what... You were inside the Supreme Court. So somebody else, like, give me, give me some more color commentary on what happened. Well, Stephen Breyer looked miserable up there. <laughs> but uh, no, so it was very interesting. So you go in, um, the Chief Justice reads the docket number of the case. You have no idea what case is going to come next. And then he announces who uh, wrote the majority along with who joined him and or her and then who wrote the dissent. Uh, the majority author reads his or her opinion, followed by the dissent if they wish, and then they follow suit with the next case. So um, you don't know which case is coming next right. uh, at all, and it's just – it's very suspenseful. It's well, fascinating. And it, and, it was, and it was really interesting because a few of you were asking, hey, would you mind if we spent a morning at the Supreme Court? Because the, the summer is an interesting time because the argument days are over. Uh, but it's the it's the days that they're going to uh, hand down their rulings. But yeah, you don't really know. And so we each Monday we were prepared uh, with our you know articles drafted with with tweet responses. You know, knowing okay, it could be favorable opinion, it could be an unfavorable opinion, or somewhere in the mushy middle. Uh, and y'all happen to pick the right day to go, and you hear the Bladensburg Cross case. Not only the opinion read, but uh, but the dissent read as well. Is that right? Yes. Who read the dissent? Ruth Bader Ginsburg. <laughs> Ruth Bader Ginsburg, which, you know, I, I feel like hearing, so RBG reading a dissent is fascinating. Uh, if if I could have been in the room and he was still alive and on the bench, I think hearing Justice Scalia read a dissent would have been equally as fascinating. I mean, those are two of the biggest personalities that have been on the court recently. So that's a pretty cool experience that y'all were in the room uh, for a Supreme Court opinion day. Uh, What else? Any other uh, favorite experiences from the semester? Sure. Yeah. I think of all the events at the ministerial were fascinating, but the one that ERLC hosted was probably one of my favorites. Um, And me and Nick had the privilege of helping to escort one of the North Korean escapees, um, who doesn't live there now, but who, we got to travel. Hence the term escapee. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, right. We got to escort him to the event where he was one of the panelists and was able to just talk about his story and the hardships that he was he has gone through. But it was really interesting just to sort of be with him as he was we were in the Lyft or Uber together, and he was able to see the Capitol for the first time, and he's never been to the, the States before. So we were able to experience that with him and just get to know him on a very friendly level, and he had such a bright personality and was so kind and just excited to, to be here. And then just having that introduction and then hearing his story, it was just such a fascinating combination. And then just learning about his story, not only of you know escaping, but of coming to Christ and how that is just so, it just brings so much hope, but also him talking about like freedom isn't, it doesn't even feel fully, he doesn't feel fully free just because so many loved ones aren't free. And so that just put into perspective 
the reality of an escapee's life. Yeah, that was amazing. Yeah, it was definitely amazing to be able to be with him on his first time ever to uh, not only um, America, but to Washington, D.C. Um, as the capital. Uh, I got to actually give him a capital tour um, of the old parts of the capital and the Supreme Court chamber and the old Senate chamber and the rotunda. Um, and seeing his reaction to all that was pretty amazing. That's awesome. So let's transition to talk about some of the specifics about what our internship program actually looks like. Uh, Kai, I want to start with you. What what does our uh, professional development look like here at the ERLC internship? I think that goes back to what I mentioned earlier about um, the ERLC full-time staff giving interns immediately great ownership over um, assignments. There's always a good balance and a hard line to navigate between giving ownership and, but also not micromanaging. And I think our organization does a good job of that at large with the interns. And so not only are we going to go to the coalition meetings, we're also doing a lot of substantial research on a variety of policy issues and drafting first drafts that could appear uh, perhaps in um, a variety of newspapers or um, contributing to articles that will be published um, as content on, on ERLC.com. So it's not simply, you know, going to get uh, coffee as what would think a stereotypical internship or simply editing uh, an article that's authored by a staff member. You're really getting in there and doing a lot of the same work that a full-time staff member is doing. Besides the projects and, you know, the going to coalition meetings like Kai was talking about, um, one of the other aspects of the professional program that I really um, enjoy was just the book discussions and, and going through the books um, called what Be- What's Best Next, which is uh, just practical guidance on, um, you know, how to plan your work week, you know, how to structure your time well and things like that. It was just practical advice that was just very instrumental. Yeah, there were just a lot of really um, practical things that the ERLC did to help us grow professionally, like the book discussions. Um, they or Jeff helped us review our resumes. We were able to meet with staff outside of the office over um, coffees or lunches just to talk about um, like our lives and careers. We got to go to Hill meetings with staff members, and those were all just really great growing experiences. What about the spiritual development side of our program? What, is it, what does that look like? Yeah, so I actually, this is my second internship with the ERLC. Last summer I did the Nashville internship and had a great time there. Which so, one's better? No comment. Oh, <laughs> come on. He's been sitting next to Nick too long. He knows how to navigate political <laughs> answers. No, I, I enjoyed them both for different reasons. Um, sure, and uh, which one had more reasons? <laughs> I will not quantify that. <laughs> so, but one thing I really enjoyed about DC was, uh, in comp- in contrast to Nashville, like DC is very practically focused. Like it's not just how do we think about a certain issue in a Christian way. It's how do we think about this particular bill in a Christian way, and how do we, um, you know, approach just legislation. Like how do we write good legislation as Christians, or how do we interact with senators and. Uh, Congress people in a way that represents Christ well. Yeah, and also just being able to go through Russell Moore's book Onward and just get a good uh, mindset or a framework for how to think about politics in general and thinking about, you know, our hope is in Christ and in his kingdom, like in whether or not like things will always work out the way we want to here in D.C. or in 
uh, in the culture. Like, our, we, we should always be hopeful Christians. And Yeah, I agree with all of that. I also think it's interesting how the ERLC intertwines that professional and spiritual development. Um, we start out every Monday with a staff meeting where we look at what we're doing throughout the week, but we also begin that with prayer. And I think that's really powerful just for all the staff to be together and pray over each other. And then even just meetings throughout the, the internship program, if we say, I'm struggling with something or why we do this, we always go back to the gospel and advancing our mission. And you can almost always count on someone spitting out Bible verses at you for why we're doing what we do. And <laughs> mm-hmm. I think that's awesome. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> yeah, I would say similar things. I thought first of the Monday meetings with the prayer, and I think it just, it really fused together this um, idea of prayer and work and how it work isn't something we shouldn't pray about. We should definitely talk to God about that. And I also think a lot back on just the books we read and the spiritual development that came from those and our book discussions. We had a lot of very fascinating book discussions. Uh, Those were some of my favorite times spent with the group, just having these topics on the table that we just kind of tossed around and Mm -hmm. got to wrestle with and think really critically about. And I think that's just an important thing for spiritual development to really think critically about um, what God cares about. And then lastly, I think it was an open-ended thing to just talk about spiritual disciplines, and that was just a norm to kind of bring those things up and keep each other in check and be accountable with those things. I love that. Uh, What about specific policy issues that you work on? So our ERLC portfolio, uh, there are are five uh, different categories of our work, uh, human dignity issues, religious liberty issues, marriage and family issues, justice issues. And then the fifth is international issues, which uh, a lot of times focus on religious freedom because many people around the world do not live with the kind of religious freedom protections that we have from our constitution and bill of rights here in the States. Uh, But we also work on pro-life issues abroad, justice issues, family and marriage issues as well. Uh, but within those five uh, five category buckets, there are specific policies uh, that, that you'll find us working on. So I'm curious to hear what are some of your favorite policy issues that you uh, got to work on and, and learn about while, uh, while interning with ERLC this summer. Yeah, so I was lucky to get assigned the immigration portfolio, um, which is something that it's close to my heart because of how long I did grow up in in Honduras, um, and I know I, most of my friends are are still down there, and a lot of them are trying to come back. And the whole immigration and visa process is something that's close to my heart personally. It's not just numbers on a page or text in a bill. Uh, so I was lucky enough to be able to work with that. So, what did that look like within within working on immigration issues? What were some tangible work products that you help contribute to? Yeah. So um, I was lucky to be able to write an article for the ERLC about my experience in Honduras growing up and what uh, the church and what Christians should know about Honduran people that are seeking asylum and trying to cross the border. Mm. Marcus, what about you? What was your favorite policy issue to work on? Yeah. So this is real, really interesting. So I never thought the ERLC would be working on issues related to marijuana. Like that never crossed my mind at all. (laughs) So um, being here, I was working with a staff member by the name of Steve Harris. So, and I worked on, you know, marijuana laws and, you know, tracking legislation and, you know, going to hearings and just, you know, talking to him about how to go about, um, those issues rightly and how to think about, you know, 
the the issues around it. Yeah, so, and it's a it's yeah. a really we were we were talking about this, Marcus. Uh, I believe it was yesterday or earlier this week about how our the laws regarding that substance right now in the country are so broken and fractured, and there's a lot of confusion. And so there was a Definitely. there was a banking subcommittee that you right that you were covering. What, yeah. what was going on there? What what were some of the particulars? So the the Safe Banking Act um, recently came out early this spring. Was talking about um, basically the whole issues around uh, allowing banks to do business with cannabis-related businesses in states where it's in not states legal. where it's not legal, right? Oh, where it's not legal, right? Right. Okay. So, um, so it's a very, very complicated piece of legislation. So, um, it's yeah, because it's still uh, a federally banned substance, right? And- right. Federally, it's still a banned substance, but yeah. it's just. There's a lot of like legal complications and sure. contradictions surrounding it, so it's, sure. it's tough to work on. Yeah, and we've got lots of uh, lots of great partners, uh, particularly uh, Smart Approaches to Marijuana. Right, uh, right. It's one of our one of our coalition partners that is is really doing great work. Not only reminding everybody of the the health costs of right. legalizing uh, that particular substance, but but also just uh, you know while while it is confusing, thankfully it's still a federally banned. Right, right. And while there might be some interesting uh, conversations uh, from a federalism point of view that we mm-hmm. can have, mm-hmm. um, there are still great advocates raising that raising that flag. But yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, there are some within, you know, within within all the different categories that we work on. There, you know, there there are probably those smaller issues that are that are kind of uh, right, right. That are kind of interesting. Uh, what else? Were there any other policy issues that were particularly interesting that you did work on? Uh, one. In- policy issue that I thought was really interesting just because it was so ironic and so strange that it even came up was a project that some of us worked on with the Section 301 tariffs on China or goods imported from China and how the latest proposed list included Bibles and um, the printing, uh, the printing paper that's used for Bibles and just how Increasing those tariffs would make it a lot more difficult for churches to supply Bibles to um, people in their own congregation and for uh, uses in their ministry. And it was just such a unique and interesting scenario just in the nature of itself. And the way it changed over the summer with Trump saying, oh, we'll put them on hold. And then him tweeting just yesterday, actually, we're going to put them back on again. So it was just a very dynamic and Mm -hmm. strange project that it was really cool to see the ERLC work on. Yeah, and I'll go along with that. That was definitely one of my favorite things to work on this summer was that whole, because day one, I think that was the first thing you guys had assigned to me was writing a one pager on that particular issue. And I just remember, okay, I I have to run with this, I have to do all this research. And then being able to see it from start to finish and like bring a one pager to Travis to share with um, people in the government, that was a really neat experience for me. And I just remember everyone I had talked about, uh, like friends at church or back home, like Every time I got to share that story with them, everyone was as surprised as I was learning about it. It's like, oh, almost all Bibles are made in China. Oh, these tariffs would raise prices on Bibles. Like that was just a really interesting experience. Hmm. For sure. And if I could just add, if if there's a potential legal intern out there, um, it was really cool to 
be on the other side because I think past legal internships, I've only uh, dealt with regulations like after the rules already come out. But it was cool to be on like the in the stage where we were submitting a comment to the rule. So that was a really neat experience as a legal intern. So what about uh, interesting meetings uh, that you attend? Um, I'm not sure if you if you would uh, if, if all of your experiences would back this up exactly, but but I think generally it's probably 70 percent of your time is in the office and then 30 percent of your time is out and about on Capitol Hill uh, at meetings, at hearings, coalition things. So uh, what were some memorable meetings that you attended for ERLC? Um, so for me in the weeks leading up to the um, State Department's ministerial to advance religious freedom. I got to go to a coalition meeting where a lot of different groups were there talking about the side events that they were going to be doing at the ministerial. And that was just really interesting to get to hear about all the different organizations there, all the different groups represented, um, and just see kind of the inner workings of that process of lining up those events. Yeah, like one of my favorite meetings was here in the office, meeting with uh, Ruth Maholtra from RZIM. I've been a huge what fan. What is RZIM? Uh, Ravi Zacharias International Ministries. I've been a huge fan of their ministry for probably over a decade now. So it was just really cool to meet her, just like someone I've seen on Twitter, like posing with Ravi at all these different events she gets to travel <laughs> to. Um, but it was cool to make, make be able to make that contact with her yeah. and like exchange emails. Um even just like other meetings, like we had a we hosted a missionary from Africa, and just being able to hear her story and experience of um, different tribal groups within the country that she was from, uh, and just how she interacts with that as a missionary, that was a really neat experience. Well, I was not at the Title Ten hearing, but I did go to a hearing on reproductive rights. Okay, um, that was the first one I went to near the beginning of the summer, and that was an experience. People like almost. Every time there's a House Judiciary hearing, people are waiting in line for hours mm-hmm. just to get in. Um, and I actually made it in near the end of the hearing. Uh, it's really interesting. If you look, sit in the right place, you can see yourself on C-SPAN if you watch <laughs> it back. So that's always fun. Yeah. yeah, in some of these hearings, I mean, you have interns and people lining up the night before in the cases with some, some recent hearings. And they, they just stay there overnight. And then they try and get into the hearing, and it's not promised, but it's it's a crazy fest. Now, one of you mentioned Title X hearing. Yeah. Uh, t- tell us about that one. Yeah, I was at the Title X hearing, and it was actually the same day as the reparations hearing, so it was just a chaotic hallway. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were down ar- around the corner, and it wasn't as bustly, but there were there was a, a long line and lots of you know news news outlets and um, lots of people you know gathering from various organizations and. Um, lots of people wearing int- uh, T-shirts as well, <laughs> supporting different organizations. And ultimately, there's a lot of shifting, too, because, you know, everyone wants to get in first and make sure they have a seat. And then when we sit down, it was packed. And you just listen to all to uh, one of the people getting questioned a lot about this new legislation. And she basically got pretty roasted by, by all the people in Congress. One of my hopes for the internship program here at the Leland House is that uh, your semester with us would help shape the outlook uh, for your career. So I'm, I'm curious if any of you have a greater sense of clarity uh, for what you want to do uh, with, with your career as a result of, of the work that you did here with us.
So yes, for me, um, public policy has always been interesting, and uh, I've, I've enjoyed you know just keeping up with politics, whether that be reading an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal or listening, watching national news. But you never really know if you're going to enjoy something until you actually do it. And um, it was definitely something that ratified that assumption. So yeah, it definitely shaped the outlook in terms of being a bit more clarifying. For me, I think it was really helpful to just learn about the different professional backgrounds of the ERLC staff because I'm not really someone who has a 10-year or even five-year plan for my career. So just to learn about um, like the really diverse experiences and roles that they've had in different organizations was um, helpful for me to give me a more positive outlook as I'm job hunting right now. So what what are you going to take uh, forward from this internship program, Eva? I think the things I'm going to take are just a, I, I think a lot of the things I learned have to do with the relation, just like having a good relationship between faith and politics and having your politics be informed, you know, by the Bible and by what God says. And I think just veering from that can be dangerous and just how I, I want to go through life and kind of keep that in check. And I think there was a book, or What's Best Next book was really helpful for me in terms of what I want to look back on because it was in our book discussion where we just were looking at ways to kind of, first of all, organize your week and kind of stay on top of things so that you can maintain productivity. I think that is huge. And um, another aspect of asking these questions of yourself every once in a while that have to do with, you know, what am I doing in my community to to increase justice? What am I doing to help better a global problem? Like, how can I, you know, piece by piece each week be um, doing little things that amount to a lot over a long time? So I think looking at our lives and seeing so much potential, if you just slowly chip away at the the time we have um, to do what we're called to do. I definitely second what Eva said. I think that's like one of the biggest takeaways for me from this internship. Um, you know, I think it's easy after an internship and a lot of us are going back to school to think, oh, like we're going back to reality and um, back to the daily grind. But I think reading the books and having the weekly book discussions um, that the other interns talked about was definitely helpful and something that I want to try to be more mindful of each week um, with school. And I'm just very excited to yeah, go back to school and be able to talk with more of my classmates um, and like try to engage more. I think um, this internship gave me a lot of good food for thought and also just like more, I think, resources that I know that I can follow to help be more aware. Anything else uh, that you're going to take forward from your experience here with the RLC? Uh, yeah. So one thing that really stood out to me um uh, in the office itself and uh, the net dynamic between senior staff and the interns and all of us and something that I'll take away, um, hopefully going forward into a new job, is uh, just how everyone treats each other like uh, more than coworkers. You, you know, you're, you, you do get a sense of like everyone's a family here and everyone's looking out for everyone else and everyone's invested in their personal lives and um, you, you're not alone, I guess. And, and so that's something that's been really cool to witness um, throughout senior staff and then through us interns as well. So any other highlights uh, from the summer before we wrap up this conversation? One thing I really enjoyed was or a highlight was how much 
the interns are trusted to do with real work here at this internship. Like you, you don't, they don't give you fluff assignments or a whole lot of busy work. Like the assignments they give you are real and a big part of the work they do here during the summer. So I really appreciated that, that not only do they trust us to, to do that kind of real work, but also um, you feel like you accomplish something while you're here. It's not just uh, you're here experiencing DC, you're here actually doing real work. Yeah, I love that. The, we we definitely aim uh, to set up an environment uh, from from everything from the application process to the kinds of the kinds of people that we make offers to to join our internship program, but also uh, in the onboarding and the training that we do. And it's always it's always fun to me to find like what is that sweet spot in your ten week uh, in your ten week internship that the intern class uh, is then really humming. On all, so I guess in your case, this was a V8 engine down here on all eight cylinders <laughs> uh, to to be able to produce real work. That and certainly this is the case for me. Whenever we have an internship class as large as this summer's class was, uh, I shift into editing mode because you guys are doing a lot of the first drafts of most of the kind of work product we're doing. Whether that's uh, doing a lot of internal memos, researching bill reviews, stuff like that, and then looking through that to be able to then present that on to uh, the rest of the ERLC staff when, hey, what's going on with uh, with the senator's new bill? Oh, well, we actually have a, a bill review for that. Or uh, we'd like to give out our light magazine to every office on Capitol Hill. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've done the work to put together the office office uh, list in a, in a Google Sheet to know where everybody is. And you guys just knocked that out, delivering those magazines um, as as faithful foot soldiers for the ERLC throughout uh, house office buildings and in office buildings, uh, or whether it be articles uh, that uh, you help draft that eventually make its way to ERLC.com or or somewhere else, or preparing here for the podcast, not only the one that you all are on right now, but uh, lots of the podcasts that we've hosted. Many of you helped me draft uh, the interview questions uh, and and the kinds of discussions that, that happened here on Capital Conversation, uh, and you all uh, had an experience being office manager. Uh, so I, I'm just curious, uh, was that a fun experience, answering the phones, taking out the trash, being a hospitable, warm face when uh, UPS drops off, you know, my <laughs> Amazon order? Uh, was that was that so much fun? Did you love being uh, the week that you were in charge of being office manager, getting here early, staying late? Friday was always my favorite day to office manage. <laughs> <laughs> and why why so? was the final day to office manage. Oh, it's the final day to office manage. Yeah, I, I was going to say um, I can agree with that statement wholeheartedly because today is my last day to office manage, and I have never been more happier. And neither have we. Uh, <laughs> so any any funny moments uh, happen, happen this summer besides the character uh, developing role of being office manager? It's definitely interesting to see everyone's personalities emerge. We're also unique and different. <laughs> Everyone here knows that Kai is dad. We have faithfully referred yes, when, to him as dad. When did that start? When that was did, like week one. Week that, one, yeah. you guys so, identified so Kai as dad. Week one, when I first met Kai, I noticed little things getting to know him that I was like, oh, wow, he's a protective and very uh, heartwarming man. And I referred to him once as dad, as a jest. All right, so Nick's going to take credit for the dad nickname. <laughs> definitely, definitely do, take credit. Do for that. we agree? Did Nick is is Nick responsible for the dad nickname? I mean, Kai just really lives it out. Everything <laughs> he does just speaks to that name. Like you know, spilling sauces on his tie, 
<laughs> making really <laughs> you spilled ketchup. Yeah, yeah. Really, really punny jokes of um, your light blue tie. That was yes. a pretty great moment. He always wears the blazer with the pin, and then she yep. just looks like a yep. dad. Yep, dad. And this is extra fun for you, Kai, because why? Yeah, so. I would be, prefer to be called girl dad because my wife is currently <laughs> expecting our first child who is a girl. Plot twist. Yes. That is the plot uh, thickens. Yeah, that is pretty fantastic that not only you have the nickname dad, but turns out you are one. So yes, congratulations to I, you and your wife back in Alabama. Thank you, Jeff. I think he's well on his way to becoming a great dad because every morning, no matter what is happening in Congress or politics, the one thing that you can count on is Kai with a cup of coffee in his newspaper yep. downstairs. That's <laughs> awesome. All right. Any anything else? Any uh, fun or, or or memorable, funny highlights from the summer? I'd like to thank you all for giving me uh, two months head start of having to impart uh, wisdom to those that are less mature. Oh than you are. <laughs> wow. Oh. Just kidding. Oh, I love God, you all. Good. Another um, fun fact about Neil is that he has. <laughs> Perfect pitch and can match the tone of the elevator ding. Oh, well, I can and, I can uh, tell you what note it is. Yeah, yeah, like with B flat. Interesting. Okay, so what like Rayburn? Rayburn's elevators. Like what? Oh, what? Tone? I don't know what by building, but okay. usually they're like a G. Ding. <laughs> <laughs> Should you just go ahead and sing something on the podcast for us? I would prefer not to. Maybe you could. Uh, yeah. Maybe you could sing us out. Could you sing your answer to why somebody should apply? I think to that at the end. I think Neil should plug his YouTube channel uh, or his YouTube videos that he did in college with his choir. So I will say this: if Kai is dad, I I got the sense that Neil was Uncle Uncle. Jesse. Oh, Uncle. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I refer to them both as the boomers. And the rest of you are Gen Zs. Uh-huh. Millennials. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Some, some millennials. So we have boomers, millennials, and mostly mostly Gen Z around yeah. the table. Well, that is that is just fantastic. Anything else uh, before we I just we I wrap? just want to note how every time we need Nick, he is at a coffee meeting. Conveniently. Listen. Yeah, it, <laughs> was, it was a little much. Life <laughs> is just one big networking event. And if you're not Man. milking it every chance oh you can. God. Man, let's just go ahead and cut that mic right there. <laughs> Everybody just threw up in their mouth a little bit. Okay, so wrapping up this conversation, why should someone apply to the ERLC internship program? I'm not sure if I can think of a better organization that properly engages the culture um, with the gospel without compromising deeply held convictions of scripture because their purpose is not to advance politics or a political mission, but to advance the kingdom of God. And they do so in a way that you can't plug them and and us versus them like our polarizing political dichotomy of the day. And simply, and it's rightly done so because you can't box in uh, the kingdom of God. That's why you should apply the URLC. And the free coffee doesn't hurt either. So, (laughs) Yeah, we do love our coffee here. The ROC, as I've come to learn over this past year, year and a half, is just a really great organization for how to think well, how to think Christianly about political issues and ethical issues and how to engage the culture well and represent Christ well on these different issues. Um, Yeah, in D.C. particular, I I love the close-knit nature of the D.C. office in particular. Uh, Just since the staff is small, you get to know each of them like pretty well, and I've really enjoyed that, that whole process. This internship is beneficial for any college student or a young professional, no matter what field you're going into, because um, you learn, you definitely do learn how to think critically about current issues and apply the Bible 
to them. Um, the ERLC does a really great job of not using just like random Bible verses as a supplement to advance their own mission, but of using the Bible as a tool to help shape the way that they think about any and every issue. And that's something that anyone can take away and that um, anyone can use that to grow. Yeah, I would, a lot of the answers that they're saying are, are the same reasons I have. But I think as somebody who, you know, I didn't study political science background or, you know, some things that might be more common for the interns here as somebody studying environmental science and public policy. I think it's some it's been really fascinating to take the ethic that this organization holds. And I don't think there's any student that it wouldn't apply to them. So I think what you can absorb here and grow in, um, you know, just learning about the ethics of the kingdom and that can that can be translated to any job. And so by taking that in, it can really affect the way you see your career, um, the purposes that you see in your career in the future. So, like I said, that, but also just it's a great team and I've had a great time getting to meet everybody. Yeah, I, I, all of these answers are, are pretty great, pretty fantastic reasons to uh, apply for the internship program. But I'll come at it from just a purely political standpoint. It's an amazing opportunity to be on the Hill and to work with legislation in Congress that's going to directly affect you know millions of people, not only here but across the world. And so for that reason alone, I think you should apply. Yeah, the program is great because you are doing real projects. You're not doing busy, typical intern tasks. And you're getting to go to meetings on the Hill, go to hearings, go to the Supreme Court maybe. And that's just something that you won't get to do anywhere else. And all the work we do here, you can just tell how meaningful it is, how much time and thought and prayer we put into the issues that we're working on. Um, so it's definitely something you'll take with you past the internship. And I don't think you'll get that experience many other places. Yeah, I honestly don't know if I'll ever have another internship experience like this where I'm challenged and encouraged to think so intentionally about yeah, what's sitting before me or um, the conversations even just that we're having day to day. Um, so it's just incredibly uh, intense time of learning. And it's, um, I don't know. Yeah. I, if you want to become a better Christian, a better person, apply. Who can say no to that? <laughs> Who can say no to that? All right. Well, thank you all so much for joining me on Capital Conversations. It's always fun to hear from our interns, and I look forward to seeing where the Lord takes each of your stories and each of your careers. We'll be following along uh, as, um, I, I can't say your number one fans, because that is probably held by your parents, but... Uh, <laughs> But how about your number two fans? We'll, we'll be right there in your cheering section uh, to see what God does with each of you. So thanks so much. This is Capital Conversations, an ERLC podcast from Washington, D.C. Thanks to our production team for getting this episode published online. And thanks also to you for joining us today. Resources from this conversation and a link to our internship application are available in the show notes and at ERLC.com, along with additional resources to equip you and your church. 